Life is difficult and is a challenge. So I want you to take your Bibles and stand with me as we go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Now Paul is writing to this young pastor, Timothy, who's pastoring this church in Ephesus. He's young in the faith, but he's strong in the faith. Uh, He was raised by a tremendous grandmother and mother who poured the Word of God into his heart and into his life. And he is in this amazing cosmopolitan city uh, full of of all kinds of belief systems, full of uh, sinful practices. And here the Apostle Paul is laying out for him how he ought to handle himself and how his church ought to take care of business in, in the city that they live in. And so we start here in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. So Paul had a relationship with Timothy and Paul um, raised Timothy spiritually in the faith uh, in addition to what his mother and grandmother had already done. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Now, I see in this passage, and I want to break it down for you, four things in how to stay strong and faithful as Paul is laying it out to this young pastor and he's challenging him to stay strong and faithful to the call that God has given you. And how can you and I be strong and faithful in our faith? How can we do it? That's what we want to look in today. Father, thank you again for your word. Pray that this could be applied to our personal lives. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I want to jump right into it that he says to Timothy in being strong and faithful, he says in verse 3, he says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. So the first thing I think we need to see here in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, is, the, is this admonition. And an admonition is sort of like, it's sort of like a command, but it's, it's an encouragement, but it's a challenge all at the same time. And he admonishes um, Timothy, he says, number one, Timothy, do not be a quitter. Do not be a quitter in verse 3. Don't quit. He says, stay in Ephesus. God has called you there. This is where you need to be. You need to stay with the stuff. Now, how does that apply to your life and my life? Well, let me just say this. Life is hard sometimes. And life throws us some unbelievable challenges. Things that... You can't go to school for, to get prepared for. Things that happen to other people don't happen to you, and then they happen to you. 
And I can look across this building, just in this congregation here today, and I know there are some of you who have been through some unbelievable life challenges that, that are incomprehensible to most of us. And you survived because you didn't quit. You know who I'm talking about. There's some of you who lost loved ones, what we would call untimely, a, a child, a young person, a husband, a spouse. And some of you, um, you know, have gone through horrific disease and, you, and, and you're still here and you're still fighting and you're still breathing and God has a purpose and a plan for you as long as you have breath in your lungs. And so the admonition to you today from God's Word is Paul is telling Timothy to stay in Ephesus because Things are difficult there. Things are, are challenging, and, and it wears on a pastor after a while. Dealing with sin and dealing with all these challenges that come your way, it, it just wants to, it frustrates you, and you want to give up, and you want to quit, and you want to go somewhere else, and you want to you get a fresh start somewhere else and deal with fresh problems and, and, and maybe have, have new scenery, and, and it all changed for you. But you see, it's a lie of the devil when that happens. Because in the same way, Satan comes after you in your regular life and says, you know, you just need a change of scenery. What you need is you need a different family. You need another spouse. Or you need a different kind of, you know, if you're driving this kind of car, you'd feel better about yourself until the first payment comes in. Right? I mean, a car salesman. Anybody in here a car salesman? I'm not trying to down you. I'm not at all. Believe you me, I know those people work hard and they're, they're trying to make a living just like anybody else. But, but I, I, I tell you, every time you sit in one of those, they're like, oh man, you look good in that thing. Of course I look good in it. I'm sitting in it. What do you think? You know, I look good in anything I sit in, right? Conceited. Just a bit? Yes. Okay. So anyway, you know, life is challenging and life is difficult and Sometimes Satan just whispers to you and me and says, oh, we need this or we need that. Or we... And what Paul's telling Timothy, he says, no, you need to stay faithful to what you've been called to, to what you've been given, to the responsibilities that you have, because there's no greater, listen, satisfaction that comes in life than to stay faithful with what God has given you. Because in the end, in the end, it'll be worth it all. Don't quit. Don't be a quitter in life. Don't quit in marriage. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your kids, even though they're knuckleheads right now. But look, that's what they are. They can't help their DNA, okay? It's just the way it is. That's supposed to be funny. They're your kids, right? So if they're your kids, guess what they're going to be? They're going to be knuckleheads because you were a knucklehead at one time, right? I know some of you say, well, I can't really call me that. I was never a knucklehead. Uh, yeah, you're proving my point. Yeah, exactly. So don't give up on them. At some point, at some point, what you have taught them and what you have poured into them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to click. It's going to catch. And you're like, if I can live to see it, it would be a blessing. Yes, you might. Don't give up on them. Don't quit on your, on your friends and people that, that are in your life circle that you're continuing to, to minister to or to care for. Don't give up on your faith. You know, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. God is always there for us. Don't give up on doing what's right from a biblical perspective. Even when society is changing and our culture is changing and, and, and people tell us that, that, that what we believe is, you know, they'll call us all kinds of names. Nowadays, if you disagree with somebody about anything, you're called a hater. 
or a bigot or something like that. And we don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit doing what's right just because other people don't agree with you. Do what's right. You have to consider, here we live in America, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. You have Christians in Pakistan right now. I just read this week, they're being put to death. You have people in Indonesia, you have Christians all over the world who are suffering in their faith for Christ and, and, and it's because they won't deny the name of Jesus. And they'll live for Him. And so they got it a lot worse than some of us. Always do what's right. Don't be a quitter in serving God in some way or some fashion. Don't be a quitter. Don't quit. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. You need to stay in Ephesus because God put you there. They need you there. God has a plan for you. And it may not be fun right now. And it may be difficult. And it may be challenging. But listen, you need to stay with the stuff. Don't quit because at the end, the Bible does say this. The Bible says, not to lose heart while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't give up. So don't be a quitter. That's, that's the first thing you have to determine. I'm not going to quit. Now, I'm not talking about certain things that change in life and, and you know, we have different things. We, you know... Um, we retire, we, we, you know, whatever. I'm, 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 don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. That's not quitting. God changes things for us from time to time, but don't give up. Don't quit doing what's right just because everybody else is doing what's wrong. Right is always right no matter who's doing it or not. Correct? It's right. Okay? The second thing in being strong, staying strong and faithful is this. Don't be quiet. Boy, some of you are going to like this at first. Don't be quiet. Look at the second part of verse 3. It says here, well, I'll just read the whole thing in verse 3. It says, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves in verse 4 to myths and endless genealogy. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, as a pastor, don't be quiet. Especially when you see things that are being taught that are wrong. When you see things that are, that, 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 that are not being taught that, that's correct. Uh, I mean, that, that's not correct. Speak up. And say it. Now, he doesn't say to speak up angrily. And he doesn't say to scream at people. Now, you say, well, that's what you're doing right now. No, 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 no. I'm preaching. Okay, that's different. Uh, But people are screaming at each other in the world that we're living in today. They scream at each other on, on social media. Think about it. If somebody disagrees with somebody on social media, the first thing they start doing is calling people names. People get on the street and they start yelling and screaming and hollering at each other. See, there's a way that you can not be silenced but not be 
um, I don't mean to say offensive because sometimes the truth is offensive no matter how calmly it's stated. But we can do it in a way that honors God. Don't be quiet. Stand up for your faith. I had someone question me last week about something that I believed in and in, in, a, in a sweet, godly way, I did everything I could to say to that person, no, this is what I believe. And this is what I believe because from the Bible. And they disagree with me. And I said, that's great. You live in America. We live in America. You can disagree all day long. But, but that doesn't mean it's going to silence me. See, parents, listen, don't be quiet when it comes to the way your kids are living. Don't be ashamed to say, this is not the way you were raised. This is not right. This is not what God says. This is not the right way to do it. Hey, and you know what? Chances are they're going to go do it anyway. And I know what people tell me, well, when you tell them not to do something, they're going to do it just because you said not to. Well, when they were little, did you tell them not to stick their fingers in the plug-in outlet? See, they were going to try it anyway, whether you said not to or not, or, or, or if you said to do it. If you said anything or you didn't say anything, they were going to do it anyway. There are certain things they're going to do. And I find sometimes that we see our kids living a certain way. And because we don't want a confrontation or we don't want anybody to, to get upset, we just let it go. There's some things we should not be quiet about. The church should not be quiet about how we feel about Christ and His Word. The church should not be quiet about what we've always believed, that marriage is between one man and one woman. The church should not be quiet about what the Bible says, about our bodies and how we're to live. We should not be quiet about what the Bible says about, about alcohol and drugs. You know, the Bible talks about, about alcohol being like a viper, like a, like a snake that bites you and pours venom into, into, your, into your body. You know, I, I'm just being honest with you. Look, I'm grateful for the medicine that we have today, and we all need it at a certain point. You know, when I had brain surgery, they gave me morphine, and it helped the pain for a little while. But let me tell you something else it did. It helped me see things that I never thought I'd ever see. I mean, it, it's of the devil. I remember, you know, just a few weeks ago when I had my gallbladder surgery, and they give you the, this oxycodone or whatever it's called, and and, uh, you know, they tell you to take it for a couple of days at, at least. And so I took it for one day and, and a half. And in the half day, I had spiders crawling under my skin. I was seeing things. I was just like, oh, this is how I was feeling now. Just like, and I hated the way it made me feel. Nothing tasted good. I didn't, I was just like, it, I, don't, I don't get it. Some people are like, oh, it makes me feel good. Not me. It makes me feel like I'm exploding from within. It's demonic. I always I tell Penny, I was like, get that stuff away from me. It's a demon in a bottle. <laughs> oh, bad stuff. So realize that, you know, Tylenol worked just good. And I didn't feel like I had spiders crawling under my skin. How does that fit with don't be quiet? I'm not sure. But we, we should not, we should stand for the truth. 
you know, everybody's talking about today wanting to legalize marijuana. I'm not trying to get in political and all that. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you. I don't know any dope heads that I really want to model my life after. I really don't. I just don't. Oh, I know there's some that are really rich, but I don't want to live their life. You know, I want my mind to be clear and clean. The Bible says have a sober mind and a sober heart and a clean heart and a pure heart. And so that's what we need to strive after. So if I'm going to be strong and faithful, don't quit. Don't be quiet. Stand for the truth and live the truth. Third thing is this. Goes along with what I just said. Don't be quarrelsome. Verse 4. Don't be quarrelsome says here or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogy such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing god's work advancing god's work i'm going to tell you we can stand here all day and quarrel with the world about what we don't like and about what they're doing and about what they should be doing look the world does what it does because it's the world and it's a it's a of satan and not of god we should do what we do because god's called us to do god's work and so we could stand up here all day and yell about all the bad things going on or we can get busy doing god's work and that's what the word of god says don't be quarrelsome i've given you this example many 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 times but back in 2002 i know it's a long time ago and the reason i remember that is because it's the first time i flew after 9 11 and i flew to st louis to go to southern baptist convention and we had a big deal that was going to be promoted there about about a change in our bylaws where it would be you know we said that marriage is between one man and one woman well you had a lot of activists that were out there and they were out there with their signs and screaming and all of that, and we were heading into the Edward Jones Dome to go do our thing. And I just saw all these people, and I just thought, what, now what's wrong with this picture? All of these Christians, we're all walking in here, and we're not talking to them. They're screaming at us, and we're not. So I decided I, to cross the street again, and my brother was like, please don't do it. Oh, no, 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 no. And, and I'm like, no, 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 watch this. And so I walked right over there, and I put my hand out to one of them, and I said, and I said, sir, I said, my name is Corey. I said, I'd like to meet you. Let's go. There's a coffee shop down the street. Let's go have coffee and let's sit down and talk. We're people. Let's talk together. I'm not saying that when, when it's over, you're going to agree with me and I'm going to agree with you, but let's talk together. Let's just sit down and talk. Let's not scream at each other and holler at each other. And, uh, and he wouldn't stop reading his sign. Like a zombie. And I'm like, put the sign down, man. Look at me. Look at me. Let's talk together. Let's do so. I don't want to quarrel with you. I don't want to have a fight with you. Let's just talk for a little bit. And he never wanted to. But the point that I'm, that I'm making, and, and I gave him my card, and I said, I'm here. I'm here for another two days. If you want to talk, you let me know. Call me. And he never did. But we're not to be quarrelsome. Our goal in life is not to create controversy and problems. Oh, there's going to be controversy when we show up as Christians because what we believe and what we preach and what we teach is not always popular. However, however, the Bible says we should be people who seek peace. The Bible says be at peace with all men as much as depends on you. People ask me all the time, can you get along with a Muslim? Absolutely I can. I ate in a Muslim's home before. Shane, we've eaten in Hindus' homes before, right? Yeah. I sat in Africa in a place in Kenya. 
And we were trying to start a church, two churches, as a matter of fact, and we did on the mission trip that we went on. Jenny went on that mission trip. And I remember coming into a, this little enclave that had four or five little, little shacks there, but they were people's houses, and, and they were working on some stones or something. And my translator and I were talking, and we were talking to them, and, and the man stood up, and, and uh, you know, I was very respectful to him, and, and he said uh, he wanted to invite us to come in for chai and, and to sit in his home. And to listen to what I had to say. And I, and I said, well, bef-, and then the translator said, but he's, he's, he's a Muslim. And I said, okay. I said, just please let him know that I'm not here to offend him. I don't want to walk into his house under his roof and say something that would be offensive to him because that, that's not what I'm here to do. And you know what that man told me? That man said, no. He goes, I am to respect what you believe and I want to hear what you have to say. Please come and be my guest. And you know what I did? I gave him the gospel. I just told him what I believed. And he thanked me for it. And we, we talked about life a little bit. We didn't quarrel. And he thanked me for coming into his home. And I thanked him for being kind. And in the back of my heart, I was like, thank you for not poisoning me either. You know? But uh, we had some good, good chai right there. Um, chai is a little bit of coffee mixed with tea and some cream and all of that and it, it was good so so don't be quarrelsome get you can, you and i can get along with people if we want to we don't always have to agree heck you don't want to know the little secret i've been married 30 something years how many years penny where are you at is she in here oh there you are baby i forget is it 33 33 okay yeah pretty good all right 33 years I don't always agree with her. And she doesn't always agree with me. But you know what? We don't have to be quarrelsome. We don't. Yesterday, I was like, all right, I can't watch playoff football in the bedroom because the antenna for the local channels is on the TV in the living room. We're watching NFL football. Playoffs. That's just what I do. Okay, I'm watching it, and she's like, "Well, I don't want to watch football." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, you got the problem because <laughs> we're watching football." She doesn't agree with my choice of what to watch, but guess what? Guess what happens? She goes, "I'm going to go to the bedroom where I can watch what I want." She's binge watching Hawaii Five-O. <laughs> she goes, "There's uh, Steve McGarrett." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, McGarrett, whatever." He's an idiot. And so anyway. So she goes and she watches that. Now there are times when there's something big that's important that she wants to watch. It happens in the living room. And I, I go to the secondary television and go, go watch the other thing. Okay. And she goes and she looks at me. She goes, I guess you want your chair. And I went, duh. You know. So we don't agree with what to watch on TV half the time. But guess what? We don't fight. We don't quarrel about it. We work it out. We have a plan, and it works for us. You don't have to be quarrelsome in life. You can get along with people. And then the final thing is this. Don't be questionable. Don't be questionable. You say, what are you talking about here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verses 5 through 7 says, The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. It talks about some have departed from the faith, some have departed um, and have turned to meaningless talk. 
they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they constantly affirm and so forth and so on. Don't be questionable. It talks about loving, where it comes from, and all of that. Here's the thing. We can stand for what's right in the wrong way. And it causes others to question what we really have. It matters what we stand for. But listen, it equally matters how we stand for it. You understand what I'm saying? How we stand for it. You can stand for your beliefs all day long, but if, you're, if you come across as though you despise other people, or in a way as you truly hate them, no one's going to really want to listen to what you have to say. I saw a video of this street preacher in England the other day, and I agreed with everything he was saying, everything. And they were trying to shut him down, saying that what he was saying was offensive and he couldn't say it. And he was quoting the law and all of that. And he was actually, I couldn't believe it, but he actually uh, had it right. And, and some of the police were there and they were saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. And he goes, oh, no, no, here's what, you know, and so they let him speak. And, and, and I truly believe, I'm not trying to judge that man's heart, but I truly believe he really wanted people to hear the truth. But it's the way he was doing it that was I think, putting a lot of people off at that moment in time. See, it's just what I believe. But I believe, you know, you go into the public square, and if I get, get on, the, on the street corner and start preaching at people and say, you're all going to die and go to hell without Christ, you think anybody's going to listen to me? I don't want to go listen to that. But if I'm on the street corner and I want to help somebody, I want to shake their hand and, talk to them and find out a little bit about their life and find out about what makes them tick and what's going on and, and, and share my testimony and share my heart. Then they can't question my motive. See, they can question my belief system. And they might even question the motive and saying, well, his motive is because he wants people to follow his faith. Okay, yeah, that's right, because I love you, in Jesus' name. Don't be questionable. Look at what the Bible says here in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 19. Unbelievable passage, I'm just going to read it right here, it's up there. But 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you, to test you as though something strange were to happen to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is Time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So in other words, if you're going to suffer for something, suffer 
for doing something godly is what, what this passage is saying. Don't, don't, don't say, I'm a Christian, and then you're a hater. I'm a Christian, or you're full of unforgiveness. I'm a Christian, but you don't live right. Somebody's going to question you. Let them question what you stand for, that you stand on the truth. So don't be questionable. In other words, don't, don't, don't say all this stuff, and then people look at your life and say, man, it just doesn't measure up with what he's saying. You see what I'm saying? It causes people to question you. Should I follow what he's saying? If it's not affecting him, it's not helping him. Look at how he's living. So it's important not be questionable. So in not being questionable, three things. I want to give these to you real quick. Number one, you have to have a pure heart. You have to have a pure heart. It says here in, uh, in 1 Timothy, it says the goal of the command is love, which comes from a pure heart. Number two, a pure motive. We need to have a pure motive. Our motives need, need to be because we want other people to know Christ. That's what our motive should be. And then a, a pure faith. Let me ask you this question. When you see certain preachers preach, maybe on TV, do you ever wonder what their motives might be? I do. I do. Because you wonder. I mean, we, we had a preacher in Atlanta a couple of years ago that said that, you know, you, you need to, I think you need to give him like, um, what was it, $150 million or something like that so he could have a jet so he could fly all over the world preaching Christ. I wonder what that motive was. Can't he just get on commercial airline like everybody else? We've got to have pure motives. That our, our heartbeat should be, we want people to get right with God, we want them to live for God, and we want them to live for the right reasons. Not so, not so that it can benefit my life in some kind of way. Pure heart, pure motive, and a pure faith. Don't let them question. Don't let them question your faith. They may not agree with your faith, but they can't question, they shouldn't question as to whether or not what you say matches up with what you do. That's the point. Don't be questionable. That's how you can be strong. That's how you can be strong. Start off the day each day, opening up God's Word. and Let God's Word speak to your heart. And ask yourself this question, God, am I doing what your Word says here? Am I being hypocritical here? Am I not right in this area? Am I full of bitterness or hatred or sinfulness or selfishness? And if so, ask God to change you. Because I, I want to be all in into what God's doing in my life and what God's doing in our church. And in this life, I want to have a right heart and a pure motive. Don't be questionable. Don't quit. Don't be quiet. Speak up for what you believe. Don't be ashamed. What can they do to you? Huh? What can they do to you? Well, maybe they can, they can take me to jail. Well, they took Paul to jail, and God was with them in jail. Well, maybe they'll laugh at me. Man, let me tell you something. You haven't lived serious enough for God yet unless someone's mocked you or laughed at you. I used to have people do it in my own church. 
not this church, but in previous churches for what I was standing for. When I was a youth pastor trying to lead youth, I had parents who mocked me for what I was trying to teach. Did, I overheard it, David. I overheard it, saw it. You haven't lived for God if someone hasn't mocked what you believe yet. Don't be quiet. Stand for what you believe. And live it out. And be strong and faithful in the days that we live in. Can I say this? Can I say what I'm about to say? Oh, thank you. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of seeing weak people, weak Christians, give in. And I say that with, with fingers pointing at myself. I'm sick in my life sometimes of giving in and being weakened by the smallest thing because it makes me a little uncomfortable. And I've asked God, God, make me sick to my spiritual stomach of my own inadequacies and my own weaknesses. I want to be a strong Christian. When the winds blow and the sea rises, I want to stand for something. Don't you? I want to be counted. And if I'm going to give in in the smallest things on, on a regular basis, then I can't be counted when I really need to stand. So God, help me to be sick of my own weakness and to trust you. Because the Bible says when I am weak, that's when he is strong. To trust you and let you be strong in me. See, listen. Courage is not the lack of, of, of fear. You know that? It's not the lack of fear. I know courageous people who are scared to death in doing what they needed to do. What courage is, is this. Courage is doing what you know is right in spite of your fear. I want to be strong and courageous in spite of my own fear, my own inadequacies, trusting God to get me through it. That's courage, to stand for God. In light of what you're scared of, what are people going to think? We shouldn't even worry about that. We should worry about what God knows and what God thinks. Let's stand together as a body.